pretty big loss considering he had a great game against Colorado the last time around. What do you see in this Cal team sans Wallace that, that scares you? Is there anything that scares you, or, or do you think Colorado uh, is, is going to take this to a team that has struggled on the road this year? Um, yeah, absolutely. There's a lot that scares me still with that team. Ty Wallace, fantastic player. Um, you know, he had eight assists uh, in that first game. Big, tall, uh, NBA-ready point guard. You know, what, what's there what's there not to like with his game? Um, maybe a little. Maybe he could shoot the ball a little bit better, but, man, is he fantastic. And it's a huge blow for them not to have him. But even without him, Cal's loaded with talent. You talk about the two freshmen, Ivan Rabb, Jalen Brown, uh, two of the most athletic. Again, sure to be NBA players uh, in the entire league. And backing them up, Jordan Matthews, who has written, to you uh pretty much every time he's taking the court against them um but but looking back to last game uh with cal the the, uh the conference opener you look at what kingsley caro cameron rooks these these seven footers off the bench that we had never heard of going to that game and who hadn't even really played up to that point that's what concerns me was their absolute in cu's absolute inability to to take a look at those two guys and beat them um they shot CU. I'm talking about uh, was 32% on all two point attempts in that in that first game. Mm-hmm. They were just dominant inside. They couldn't get anything going. Um, and, and you you when, when you look at Kingsley Curl, you're kind of like, okay, where did this guy come from? <laughs> and uh, and and that's what really worries me going into that game is finding a way to to beat those guys, get the points inside, to get the inside-out flow going that has served to you so well throughout this season. Yeah, yeah. for me, Ben, I, I think even more concerning in a way was the fact that they uh, they allowed over 50% shooting from the field in that game. Yes. Um, and it, it was a combination. It was both ends of the court. They, they were just dominated on offense. They were dominated on defense, too. Um, you know, that game is the only time all year that I've seen Colorado take the court and they haven't shown up. I mean, even in the Washington game a couple weeks ago, they showed up to start. You know, there was you know, and 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 Washington just kind of flat out beat them. And some nights other teams are going to beat you. That's fine. Um, but but in this Cal game uh, back in uh, back on New Year's Day, um, you know the the Buffs took the court and they didn't have it. They didn't have a period full stop. And Cal took advantage. You know, five minutes ago you're down 25 points or whatever it was. Uh, you know that that's serious. That's and that's the only time this season that's happened. In and that's considering all the other great opponents CU has played this year. And going into Sunday, it seems like this could be one of the first games of the season. I think there was one more earlier that is a home game with no interference at a good time on the weekend. The students are here. What are you expecting out of the crowd? Um, I'm expecting sort of what we should have seen without the Broncos interference uh, against Oregon. I, I think it'll be a really nice crowd. I think there'll be a big student presence. I think there'll be a big uh, old people alum presence. <laughs> I think we'll finally get that, that, that good CEC atmosphere back. Um, it seems, it seems we're so snake bitten as a program uh, in terms of running up against the Broncos or running up against a big snowstorm or running up against this, that, or the other thing. Uh, but I, I think finally we're going to get uh, a really nice crowd in here for a really big game. And even then, you still have the X Games this weekend, and all the students are going to that. <laughs> yeah, like, there's, there's no more, uh, there's no more lamer excuse than the X Games are up in Aspen. I can't go to a basketball game. <laughs> going to the X Games is actually kind of overrated. It's a, it's more of a spectator sport. I can tell uh, it's overrated, and I've never been. <laughs> well, and I, when I say spectator sport, I mean it's better on TV. But Sure. You know, the parties are legit, so that's where the kids want to be. <laughs> yeah, so when you look at the Pac-12 as a whole, you know, we, we talked earlier about the possibility of Colorado being tied for third right now, having the opportunity to actually win the conference outright uh, if things do fall their way. Do you think that's more of a everything needs to fall into the right place at the right time, or do you think that this is an, a legitimately achievable goal for Colorado to win this conference just uh, off of record alone uh, to, to outright win I don't know if I see it um, Oregon to, uh, Oregon especially took a huge step forward uh, last night when they went into Tucson uh, and and just walked away from from uh, Arizona late in that ball game um, they took a big step forward right now I'm looking at Oregon and going uh oh um, 
but in, but I don't think that that necessarily means bad things for CU just because I don't project them as being able to win the conference. I think that they're in a great spot to get a top four C, which which would be the first time in the Tad Boyle era. Uh, I look at them as having a great opportunity to head into Las Vegas with some momentum uh, after hosting two home games against the Arizona schools and then going out to Utah for a revenge game. Um, you know, Colorado could have a lot of momentum going to Las Vegas. Uh, and then uh, I think I still think this sets up for a really nice uh, seed in the NCAA tournament uh, and, and maybe some noise uh, once we get there. You could potentially have four teams tied for the second spot in the uh, the Pac-12 uh, going into next week behind yeah. uh, behind Oregon at number one. Yeah, and I don't think there's any shame uh, in a league this deep, in a, in a, in a league this competitive, to, uh, to come in third, to come in second. I think that's an outstanding achievement. Certainly you want to win a title. You want to be able to... Uh, uh, Adam Butler's coming on a little bit. You want to be able to to call him up and say, Adam, you know, we got the ring this year or whatever. You know, <laughs> you know, needle him a little bit. Um, but uh, uh, but there's absolutely no shame in the kind of season Colorado is putting together right now and uh, and the kind of basketball they're playing right now. So when you look at the schedule, you have Cal. You have a road trip to the Oregon schools, to uh, hosting the Washington schools, heading to Southern California for USC UCLA. Uh, hosting Arizona, Arizona State, and then going to Utah. So when you look at those road trips and getting road wins in the Pac-12 has been a very difficult task for everybody, top to bottom in the conference so far. Do you see, um, do you see Colorado really walking away from any of these road trips w- with a sweep, or do you think that one and one is really the goal here? Uh, one and one should should always be, at least from a fan perspective, ex- an acceptable goal every time you're going on the road in the Pac-12. Because if you're if you're asking, if you're expecting for sweeps, and you're not like Arizona last year where they're just a dominating team, you're you're asking for a lot. Um, you know, Oregon, Oregon State, Oregon State's not a great basketball team this year, but they defend their home court like crazy. You know, you, you look at USC and UCLA. USC is suddenly a, a, a powerhouse team. Uh, pretty much overnight after after a number of years as a doormat, and then UCLA is still a team we've never beat them in poly. So, you know, it, it's really hard for me to look at those situations and go, oh yeah, yeah, Colorado could definitely come away with a sweep there. Um, I, I I think if you're looking for road win opportunities, uh, that Utah game is going to be a knockout dragout. I could see either team winning that game. Uh, UCLA is so schizophrenic, you don't really know how they're going to play. Um, uh, and then Oregon State again, they defend their home their their uh, they defend their home court so well, uh, but they are still sort of a an iffy proposition if you shut out uh, everyone except for um, for Gary Payton too. Ben, you watch about just as much Pac-12 basketball as anyone I know, and you know where do you kind of rank Colorado if you were to do like a power rankings right now? I know Adam Butler had CU as eight last weekend after the Washington road trip. The weekend before that, he had Colorado at five. But where would you kind of rank Colorado after you saw last night's performances from both, you know, Oregon, Arizona, and uh, Was- the Washington schools in L.A.? Um, I think probably right now Colorado's a good four or five. Um, for my taste, you got to take Oregon number one. Um, sort of as a as a nod to what uh, Washington has done, you put them at two, um, and then you could put, you could. I, I, Arizona's still dangerous. Yeah, they got beat last night, but they're still dangerous. Uh, you know, even without a point guard, as as Ryan mentioned, uh, they they have a lot of good basketball players on that team. Um, they're they're probably my three, uh, and then Colorado's a good four, uh, probably tied with USC. Did you like that tweet last night? Which tweet? I said, I found this website called Point Guard U. It's about this team that has no point guards. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you want to talk about a team, Well, and, and this happened to Utah, too, in terms of what they lost versus last year. And I think a lot of people were sleeping on TJ McConnell. That kid was so instrumental to, to what, that, what that Arizona basketball team was able to do last year. Uh, and sure, they lost a lot of talent going into the draft with Stanley Johnson and, and some of the other players that, that graduated and moved on. Uh, but T.J. McConnell, with a bullet, was the, was the driving force behind that team. Uh, and, and they're starting. And you, you see some cracks in the foundation without him. 
Um, you know, they still rebound. They still defend. They're still going to be a nightmare when they come here uh, to Boulder in a couple of weeks. But, uh, but yeah, TJ McConnell, wow, that kid, looking back, makes him even more impressive. So real quick before we let you enjoy your Friday night, do you have a uh, too early prediction for Colorado and Cal? Um, yeah, it, it, <laughs> I've been thinking about this. Um, you know, Jordan Matthews is going to have a great game. Uh, you know, a, a, a shooting lead guard uh, usually rips up the buffs. Uh, I, I kind of expect him to have a, a big game, you know, 20, 25 points. Um, and then it, it, it kind of comes down to, to does Colorado manage to find something in the paint? Um, if they do, then it becomes a toss-up. Then it becomes a possession-by-possession possession game. And you know, maybe the home crowd pushes them over. Uh, Ty Wallace there is a huge Spanish Colorado. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you need a big crowd. You need to you need to have that home support uh, to uh, to to make it an even playing field because that Cal team, even without Wallace, very dangerous. Ben Burrows, the Rumblin' Buffalo. You can find his blog at rumblinbuff.blogspot.com. You can also find him on Twitter at Rumblin' Buffalo. Ben, it has been an absolute pleasure talking to you, and uh, hopefully, we'll be seeing you this weekend. Absolutely. Take care, guys. Go Buffs. All Thanks, right. Ben. Thank you. All right. So uh, we that's one. And now we got Adam Butler immediately following, continuing the uh, the marathon here. Adam, can you hear us? I hear you guys loud and clear. What's happening? Fantastic. How are you, Adam? Good to hear from you. Likewise. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure to talk to you guys. It of probably course. hurts to talk to us after last night's performance. <laughs> Last night, I mean, it was uh, there wasn't much of a performance, but I'll tell you what the uh, the Oregon Ducks are certainly flexing some uh, some muscle these days, aren't they? That team can play ball. That team can play ball seriously. And they, I, I mean, and one of the things that kind of were highlight was highlighted for me. I'd be mean, curious to what you guys think, but you know, in it's probably unfair to say he's underrated, but I mean, Dana Altman is one hell of a coach. I don't think. It's because he beat Sean Miller this one time. But, uh, you know, he is, the, the guy consistently has top 10, top 15 offenses. Uh, one season he, he coached a top 10 defense. Uh, I, I, you know, I would, I would venture to say there are very few coaches uh, that can uh, adjust their style for the talent on their, on their roster. Uh, year in and year out, the way that Dan Altman can. He's uh, he's one heck of a basketball coach, and uh, I think that team's only going to continue to get better. I, I think you're you're really onto something there. It's rare, uh, at least in college basketball, where you say, you know, that team put together an incredible offensive game plan to beat this team, and that's kind of how I felt last night um, about uh, Oregon taking it to your Wildcats. Is that kind of how you felt about it too? Totally. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it, it was one of those things. I mean, just think of, like, think about it mathematically. Like, how, how, how spot on were the Ducks that they could still beat Arizona pretty handily despite Arizona shooting 60% from the field? I mean, just the math of it is really hard to, uh, to really conceptualize. And, 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 and those Ducks had their game plan and they did exactly what they needed to do to win the ballgame. Uh, and pretty clearly, I mean, they're the first team to beat Arizona in 49 attempts uh, or 50 attempts uh, at the McHale Center. So, um, you know, I would look out for those ducks. But it, it is worth noting, however, that uh, their co-leader, the Washington Huskies, also got a big win uh, on the road last night, too. So um, are, are the Huskies for real, I guess, is one of the questions uh, you get, we got to be asking. They probably are for real when Alford Magic can't even uh, can't even stop the Huskies. And they're one fun team to watch. You know what? I think it's worth tuning in. Uh, I think it's a Sunday or Saturday game. I'm not 100% positive, but when uh, when USC and Washington take the court, that thing is going to be so full of possessions, so much pace. Uh, that should be a pretty darn fun game to watch. Adam, looking at this conference, it's now become clear that it's going to be an absolute dogfight to see who's going to win the conference. Um we were talking about whether or not uh, UW is legit. It's starting to look like they are. Uh, you just mentioned Oregon. How many teams at this point right now do you think have a legit chance to win this conference? That's a good question and a really hard one to answer. I mean, I think if, if, if 
fortunes had gone differently last night, if, uh, if, if really if the favorites had won uh, last night, and, and mostly who I'm pointing out there is that if Arizona won and UCLA had won, I think there would have been a five or six late tie for first. Uh, mm-hmm. But the two teams we've been talking about here tonight, uh, UC, uh, excuse me, uh, Washington and Oregon, have really done uh, done themselves a favor and given themselves a major leg up uh, in this competition uh, for the Pac-12 crown. The interesting thing, though, is you know the, the, that second half of the season obviously looms large and is is is, is yet to come. Um, and I unfortunately don't know it off the top of my head, but a few of those teams, namely Utah, I believe, has a home favorable second half of the season. And they're really starting to play some good basketball. Um, you know, at the same time, Arizona, who drops the 4-4, four and four, uh, is going to get Alonzo Trier back. Uh, off, again, I apologize not knowing it off the top of my head, but I believe Colorado has a road-heavy second half of their mm-hmm. season, which definitely isn't favorable. Is that right? Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah, so, you know, there's so many factors that go into this, and, you know, it, it really is going to boil down to who can snake a couple of road victories. And right now I believe Washington has three road wins, uh, and it's no surprise that, that they are in first place, along with those Oregon Ducks who have a handful of road victories as well. So you mentioned Colorado's travel partner, Utah, and Utah, you had ranked second in your power rankings last week. They're really starting to creep up on this Pac-12 conference again. Yeah, and, and, and this is this was uh, this was on my to-do list today, and I absolutely did not do it. Um, but I would say overall, it was a pretty productive Friday. Uh, but I wanted to look at how Brandon Taylor has been playing over the last four games. Uh, he's a guy who I thought was really going to be the reason that Utah uh, was going to be. In not only the hunt for the Pac-12 title, but one of the top 10 or 15 uh, teams in the country. And he really hasn't performed well. Uh, But in their big wins over the weekend, he really stepped up and played very well. Uh, And as you you guys as college basketball fans, you know, point guard play is imperative uh, for team success. And he's, he's that guy who I think has been a little bit of a disappointment um, through you know, two-thirds of this season. And it'll be interesting to see how he progresses uh, at the last little bit of his senior year because if he can come around and play the way that he has for his career, which is a 40% three-point shooter, um, you know, Utah has a very high field. You know, the one thing that uh, I've, I've been looking at since you've been talking is the, is the statistics for the Pac-12 this season. And so far, you have, you know, a multi-horse race for Pac-12 Player of the Year. You know, Andrew Andrews, Josh Scott, Jacoperto, Gary Payton the second, Josh Hawkinson, all putting up great numbers. Uh, and then you have guys like Jalen Brown, um, uh, Tyler Dorsey, excuse me, and uh, Ivan Rabb that are making that case for freshman of the year. Alonzo Trier as well, even though uh, he's injured, but he will coming, uh, he will be coming back. So who do you see right now through the midseason as your Pac-12 Player of the Year and your Pac-12 Freshman of the Year? That's a great question. I really think, you know, it's in, in, in a conference with so much parity, with so many different teams vying for the title, it's really interesting to me that it kind of seems like a no-brainer for both of the answers. I know you named a lot of really good players, but right now it's so obvious to me that it's Andrew Andrews for Player of the Year and Jalen Brown for Freshman of the Year. Um, I just watched him put on a clinic as really like the point – you know, what's the saying is a point forward, right? He was kind of the point everything for that Cal victory over Arizona. Um, he is just a man amongst boys out there. And Andrew Andrews is just getting whatever buckets he wants. Um, and it's kind of in the mold of a Joe Young uh, mm-hmm. and the success that he had at Oregon last year. So at the midway point or very, very close to it, I would go with Andrews and Brown. Um, but just like you said, there are many deserving candidates uh, to be in that conversation. I actually saw a Ken Palm tweet today uh, of the players who are leading the nation in his MVP, um, his game-to-game MVP award. Obviously, a tweet is, what, only 140 characters, so he didn't have a very long list of these players. But included in that was Josh Scott, um, which, is, 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 you know, as the second half unfolds, if Colorado starts to creep up into those top three, four uh, spots, 
he absolutely not just needs to be in the conversation, but is going to put up a hell of a fight for Pac-12 Player of the Year. Andrew Andrews put up a 30-burger on Colorado last weekend, scored 95 points against you know Tad Boyle's defense, which Tad Boyle talks about every single day of every single minute of every single day. And you're talking about Colorado <laughs> being uh, you know uh, being up in that three-four spot potentially. After this weekend, they could be tied for second place with four other teams, uh, one game behind Oregon. And looking at it, you you had Colorado at eight last weekend in your power rankings after you were finally starting to buy in. If Colorado beats Cal this weekend and ties for second place in the Pac-12, are you are you going to buy into this Colorado team finally? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I deservedly should be called out for that. And, and, and you know, I think this team has – uh, I definitely don't want to say overachieved. I think that they have played very solid basketball, and I think Tad Boyle has long known to be as a solid team uh, that just kind of needed to mature and come around a little bit. Um, and he has done a fantastic job of ensuring that that has been the case. Um, it's really a, an impressive coaching job that he has done, not just this season, but over the course of the entire last year. Um, it, 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 you know, especially when you consider, uh, you know, moving away from. Boyle's coaching this season specifically, but when you consider kind of the broad scope of college basketball this season, everybody's kind of got a fighting chance. There's, you know, it's kind of been exhausted. There is no elite team, um, but at the same time, nobody's really that terrible, which is kind of something that I don't think it's talked about enough. Where you know maybe the the, the ceiling isn't quite as high, but the floor doesn't feel nearly as low. Um, although Washington State and Arizona State are kind of making a case for it to be uh, pretty low itself. So I really like what Tad Boyle and the Buffs are doing. Uh, they have definitely proven me wrong to date, uh, and it'll be interesting to see you know, how they handle that kind of road-heavy uh, second half of the season, as well as Cal on Saturday. I, think, uh, I do think the Buffs have knocked uh, Cal off a couple of consecutive times, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think they got them on the road once and then uh, back in the Coors Event Center. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I, you know, I think the, the more touches, you know, there's a few guys I know that you talk to, uh, and I'm sure you guys are believers of this same thought, but the more times Josh Scott, Josh Scott touches the ball, the better. Yep, definitely. Uh, Adam, I wanted to ask, you know, I think when, when – the Buffs came into this conference and they came in and they got themselves a Pac-12 title and then there was the whole Chen thing. I think there was a kind of a sense from Arizona fans that uh, Colorado was kind of starting to become a rival or um, kind of taking a, a villain role in their new role in the Pac-12. After last year, what is the kind of uh, view of Colorado from the fans over there? From the Arizona fan perspective, you know what else? You know, there was, there, there's definitely an arrogance to being an Arizona fan. They've, they, they've won a lot of games, and there's something deserved to it. But at the same time, I think there's definitely an appreciation kind of for what Colorado did. I mean, to be the new guy, to come in and do what they did, I know I, it definitely made me a quick fan. Um, and Arizona did handle Colorado pretty, pretty easily last season. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I can tell you every year, uh, that Arizona heads up to the keg. It's always going to be a tough atmosphere, and I, you know I can speak from experience. I've been there twice. It is a fantastic basketball atmosphere, um, and that's really what it's all about. Uh, and that's really what makes traveling to Colorado always difficult, arguably no matter what the talent levels are there. Um, so I really think, in short order, what is it four four and a half seasons now, uh, the Buffs have really shown uh, that they are willing to put on a show. Uh, and willing to be a tough road trip. And that's really something that, you know, I would say scares other fans. Um, I'd also encourage any fans to go to Boulder for a game because not only is it a fun time, uh, but it is a great college basketball atmosphere, especially when I think across all, all sports, attendance has been down. So uh, the Buffs show up, and it is a blast to play against them. So, Adam, one last question before we let you go here. If you look at the top six of this conference, you have the records of 17 and 4, 14 and 6, and then 4 at 16 and 5. Now, when you consider that, and that's not even considering Cal, UCLA, Stanford, and Oregon State, 
How many teams, I'm not going to ask you the, the conference winner because at this point it's kind of a crapshoot, but how many teams do you conceivably see making the tournament out of this conference? It's, it's, it's a tough one with so much basketball left to play, and I unfortunately don't have uh, the national scope that I wish I did. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, I, what is it, RPI is saying eight right now. I think Lenardi's had it down around six. I think it's going to be right around the middle. I think seven Pac-12 teams are going to get in, uh, which is a very healthy number. Uh, I think the cream is going to start to kind of rise to the top here in the second half, as it does usually with uh, with most basketball seasons. But, uh, you know, I don't think too many teams are going to be shed out of this uh, NCAA bracket conversation uh, in part because it is one of the most competitive, if not the most competitive conference in the country. Adam Butler from PackHoops.com. You can find him on Twitter at PackPACHoopsAB. Adam, it has been a pleasure to talk with you. You're one of the most knowledgeable guys in the conference about all things basketball, and we always love having you on the show. Well, I appreciate it, and you guys have a good Friday night. All right, you, you as too, well, Adam. sir. Take care. So that was Adam Butler. In a couple minutes, uh, we're going to be playing our excuse, uh, exclusive, excuse me, interview. An exclusive. Uh, There's lots of excuses. An in exclusive it. interview the from exclusive <laughs> from Associate Athletic Director Lance Carl. But real quick, guys, just to go off uh, the back to back that we got there from from Ben and back Adam. Back to back. Yeah, I was waiting for someone to pick <laughs> up on that one. So real quick, as as we got from both of those, you know. What do you think Colorado has as far as chances in the NCAA tournament here? Because you could look at it one of two ways. You know, I, I, Ryan, I know you made the point about a week or two ago, might maybe even more than a couple weeks ago, about this being a conference of a lot of good teams or a lot of very good teams even without any great teams. Do you think that when Selection Day comes, that is going to harm people in the conference, including Colorado? One yes, it is going to harm them. Um, it's not. It might not. It. It could be one of those things though, where like, the top four teams get in, and then the fifth team doesn't get in, and then the sixth and seventh team get in because the fifth team did well in conference, but they didn't have a good enough non-conference. Um, there's a hundred percent guarantee someone in the Pac-12 that is a good team is going to get snubbed. Uh, it's it's going to happen. So it's all about you know where you kind of. Uh, where you fall, what your resume looks like. Luckily for the Buffs, they've kind of got enough um, going for their resume right now that I don't see them being one of those teams that, you know, could have a good finish in this Pac-12 season and get left out. But in terms of, you know, once they make it in the tournament, it just all comes down to matchups. And it's and it's really unfortunate, the matchups that they've drawn the last two times they made the tournament in Pitt and Illinois. I feel like people forget that Illinois game like mm -hmm. more than the Pitt game because not only what it wasn't recent, it, it wasn't a good game. It took a ski of Booker um, just going full good ski in the second half for them to even have a shot against Illinois. But it was another one of those games where they were getting blown out. Um, both of those times, it was just such a bad matchup for the Buffs, who were actually the higher seed in both times. And, and um, when you catch that bad matchup, there's just nothing you can do about it. So, you know, they're going to get in. I'm, I'm pretty sure of that. Um, unless, you know, the wheels kind of come off here. But if they if they do, it's all going to be about a matchup. And if they get a six seed, like they're being projected in certain places right now, there's a pretty good chance they'll get a good matchup. If they keep doing what they've done, they'll be in. And that's without question. They just need to keep taking care of business at home and maybe win one more road game, and they'll be in. And not only will they be in, but they'll be a top four seed going into Vegas if they do that, and they'll probably get one win in Vegas. So that's pretty good work from the buffs if they're able to do all of those things those are still ifs but they're in pretty good shape right now they've set themselves up for good shape but the hard part is finishing they've done step one they've got to do step two now and uh the tough part of conference season is upon us and you know the buffs have been relatively healthy they've been relatively lucky with some wins and you know they've been uh unlucky with some other games too but it's been kind of even throughout the conference season so you know you just got to keep putting yourself in a good position keep putting your putting the hard work in and keep hoping that things turn out the right way I know that all sounds like coaches speak but you really can't get yourself caught up looking at the standings if the buffs take care of their games they'll be fine all right so I have two questions for you before we go to our exclusive with Lance Carl number one which was uh what Ben was talking about 
one and ones on the road, uh, he says, are you know the, the thing that you want out of this team going out. With that being said, do you need home sweeps in addition to road one and ones to make the tournament? Well, not to make the tournament. I mean, if you get home sweeps and one and ones uh, on every single trip in every single homestand, you're putting yourself in a position to win the conference. Uh, so, no, you don't need it. But that's, you know, you're talking about going, what would that be, 9-0 uh, and 0 at home and then 4-5 um, uh, and five four on the road. Five, or five, yeah, yeah. Five. So that's 13 wins. That's 13 wins wins the Pac-12. So you don't have to do it. Um, but if you do, you're guaranteeing your spot. Plus, they already lost one on the uh, one at home. So, you if, know, if they go eight and one and then they win three road games, that's that's still eleven and yeah, eleven, 11 and eight. That's, eleven or twelve wins is winning this conference. So, whatever you kind of can do uh, to get those going, yeah. But the thing is, they're gonna they're gonna take a road sweep. It's mm-hmm. gonna happen, uh, and they they might lose another game at home this season. So. You know, if they don't, if they continue to get that, then you're talking about, yes, them winning the conference. But, it, you know, for them, um, and Tyler just can kind of talk to me about this last night when I was talking to him. He, you know, he says the goal is top four. You know, of course, winning the conference would be nice, but the goal is to get in the top four. And no matter what, you're getting that first round by. Um, and I think the Buffs can do that for sure. Mm-hmm. So the second one comes from what we were talking to Adam about, which was uh, the person who you might consider to be front runner for Pac-12 Player of the Year. So you look at Andrew Andrews, 21.3 points a game. He has 4.9 assists per game. You have Josh Scott, who has the second most points per game in the conference at 17.3 and 9.7 rebounds per game. But of course, the, the dark horse in my eyes being Gary Payton, who at 16.7 points per game, uh, he has 5.4 assists and 2.4 steals so those three guys and anybody else that you might include in there whether that be a Josh Hawkinson a Bryce Alford or a Ryan Anderson any anybody in that in that realm who do you see as your Pac-12 player of the year through the midseason uh I got to agree with AB at this point um in terms of going with Andrew Andrews um and I don't want to pick Andrew Andrews necessarily but he's just such a pure bucket getter at this point that um, he is kind of the only one who's just doing it night in, night out, just putting the work on people. So at this point, I think he's going to win it. But um, everyone has a chance to kind of make their case here uh, in the home stretch. You know, Josh Scott can put together a 30-point game or something against Cal. Um, Josh needs to have that game that turns everybody's head. Where I'm sick uh, – I think fans and, and media and everyone is kind of sick of seeing – making the same old joke, oh, ho-hum 18 and 10 from Josh. He puts it out there every night, and, like, we can make that joke over and over and over again. The fact of it is, his 18 and 10 is, like, it gets glossed over because it's so consistent. Yeah. We need to see 30 and 10. We need to see 30 and 15 before anyone's going to turn their head and say, oh, whoa, Josh got 30 and 15? Who's this? Um, And, of course, you know, maybe it's not who's this, but it's, oh, He's really, really, He's really real. there. Like, exactly. go put right. 30 on Cal or whatever it is. Um, he needs to have that breakout game because it seems like Andrew Andrews put, is putting up 30 uh, routinely. If he goes thir- uh, 30, 15, 5, and 5 in a game, and <laughs> I mean, that's it's a tall order. If, if, he into, right. if he turns into Magic Johnson one but day, <laughs> let's just say he does that because it's possible and he, you know, has like three big dunks in the game or something. That all of a sudden is like, oh my God, who is this guy? You know, and it's not like. People didn't know already that he was fantastic. It's just that he's not getting enough credit for being how fantastic he is. That if something, you know, it's like putting candles on a cake. You know, it draws the attention to the cake. Mm -hmm. And I think there needs to be some candles put on the cake. Yeah. I like that, actually. That's pretty good. Well, moving beyond the realm of basketball, we have our exclusive interview with Lance Carl, associate AD of the basketball team, or of the athletic department in general. I don't know why I said that. But we touch on everything from Coach Shiverini to basketball attendance um, to Coach Lappy. We we go through everything in this interview, uh, and we hope you enjoy it. So here is our Radio 1190 exclusive interview with associate athletic director Lance Carl. Has officially started, and the winter sports are kind of getting into the groove of things. How have you guys? Uh, have you guys looked back at the past year? Have you, have you been happy with the growth of the athletic department through 2015, coming into 2016? I think we're always striving. You know, we want to do two things: we want to compete for and win championships here. That's Rick's directive to the athletic department. That's his directive to our coaches. So while we look back and reflect on the past year. 
Um, we are never satisfied with where we are. I think, you know, prime example is Mark, Mark Wetmore. He has the national championship men's cross-country team, but he's looking to repeat again. Um, our women cross-country team, they're looking to um, bring another national championship back here. Richard Rokos, who's always in the top uh, is with our skiing program. Um, but our other sports, you know, Tad wants to take us to another level of prominence with men's basketball. Linda's striving for the same thing, and of course football as well. So all our sports are striving to compete. Um, Nicole Keneally has a great tennis team this year. Roy Edwards has an up-and-coming golf team, and Kelly has a great team. So all of our sports are looking to compete for and win championships in everything we do. So as far as uh, as far as budgets, revenues, uh, revenues, and um, what kind of profits you guys have seen, you know, you mentioned that you're you're never satisfied, but have uh, did the goals that you guys set uh, in the last fiscal year? Are you guys going to reach them going into this one? Yeah, we're going to reach them, and we'll have a you know we'll come up with a balanced budget. That was uh, another thing that Rick has uh, you know promised the board of regents, and we're, we're going to fulfill that commitment. Um, you know, I think when you look at our football team, um, we had some projected revenues that uh, we may or may or may not meet, um, and it's really important that we have a winning football program because um, I think for the past 10 years when you, you know, you have a malaise in your program like we've had, um, it's, it's important that you, you know, you honor the people who stay with your program, but also try to reach that next generation of kids that are out there um, so you can get new fans as well. And mm -hmm. I think we have the right man in place, Coach McIntyre, and some of the new hires we've made on the football staff, Coach Levitt, Coach Tumpkin, Coach Shiverini, um, are going to take us to another level. We're very happy with uh, the progress Drew Wilson's making with our student-athletes as, as our new director of sports performance for the football team. So we have the right pieces in place, and now it's just time to go out and finish those games in the fourth quarter. And um, as you finish those games in the fourth quarter, people that – may have left you, uh, will now come back and, and, and see a winning product on the field. So as uh, far as Coach Cheverini goes, uh, he's already paid dividends uh, as an assistant coach. Uh, this morning, Davis Webb recruited to the program. Is he a type of guy um, that you guys might look for in, in future assistants or future coaches, guys that uh, have that incredible passion for, for being at CU and, and have a tie to the program? You know, if it's it's, it's always great to have a buff on your staff, but it has to be a person with, you know, of course, a, if you have a buff on your staff, they're going to be passionate about the University of Colorado, passionate about Boulder, um, understand the dynamics of, of Boulder, be able to recruit to Boulder, and that's what Darren's brought to us. Um, you know, going forward, we want coaches who can do three things. They can recruit, they can retain, they can develop. If you have those three things in your coaches, you're going to be successful. And I think we're getting... Uh, we have those guys on our staff, and we're moving in the right direction. So back to the business side of things, the SEC just released their latest earnings for the fiscal year, just over a half a billion dollars. And um, when you guys look at... <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, five, 527, I believe it was, yep. countering the, the SEC and the SEC network both. Yep. Um, when you guys look at the Pac-12 uh, and the Pac-12 networks, Larry Scott has made it clear that he wants the conference uh, to not only rival the SEC but to beat it. Now, is it something that uh, you know you guys, as as schools, feel um, there's more pressure on the Pac-12 now to to really step up and perform in light of how absolutely gargantuan the SEC's profits have been? I don't think it's anything performing on the field per se. Um, We've got to get more eyes on our network. Mm -hmm. Right now, we have we don't have enough eyes on our network, and when you have a limited amount of people watching your network, um, your revenue is going to suffer, and that's what's happened to us. Um, I think um, until we get a deal with Directv, we're going to we're going to struggle. And while there was a deal on the table last year, I guess it wasn't the right deal. I'm, I'm not sure of the particulars of that deal, mm -hmm. but we've got to get more eyes on our product. You know, we're in some great markets. You know, we're in Denver and uh, the LA market and Seattle and Phoenix. We've got some good markets. Um, but we've got to do a better job of getting people, being get, having people able to see our network. Mm -hmm. um, when you go, you know, for, I'll give you an example. When you go into a, um, a a bar in Seattle and you can't watch the women's team play, um, as an athletic director, I think you get frustrated. And I think Rick had that frustration last week trying to see our women play, and we could he couldn't see us play um, because you have the, the regional um, networks in play. So we've got some things to work on. Um, I know. Um, Rick's been a vocal proponent of, of getting those things passed, and uh, with his leadership, I'm sure they will. So uh, when you guys look at the Pac-12 itself, um, are you confident that changes uh, can and will be made and that you guys will get back into 
the, uh, I guess, stratosphere that the SEC just put itself in the past couple months? Yeah, I think, you know, you look at the SEC versus the Pac-12 and, and you know, you, you compare their top teams to our top teams, and I think we're there. I think as you go down the conference and you look at, you know, some of their lower teams, and I say, you know, with Vanderbilt and, and Kentucky and some other squads, um, we compare very favorably, favorably with them. And now it's just a matter of, um, you know, securing those championships. Um, and as an associate AD here, I'm not so much concerned with what other schools are doing, but how we can better ourselves as a program, particularly in football. Mm -hmm. So as far as the programs go, you know, everyone, everyone talks about the term New Year's resolution. Um, is there any New Year's resolutions that uh, the athletic department has for 2016? No, I think it's just, uh, once again, uh, you know, our mantra is to compete for and win championships, to provide our student-athletes with a world-class, holistic experience, and that's what we try to do every day. Um, I speak from the football side only, and, and what I focus on is recruit better and win more. Mm -hmm. That's really our focus on all our sports. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned that uh, this is kind of Sealberry's area of expertise, but um, there was one coaching change in the fall with Liz Kritza, and mm -hmm. you guys um, brought in Coach Maloney, and then... Uh, the women's basketball team has certainly been struggling uh, pretty heavily as of late. Um, does the athletic department have a position on Coach Linda Lappy right now? No, we fully, you know, we fully support Linda. Um, we love the freshmen she brought in this year, the four recruits she brought in this year, and um, you know they're struggling right now. But believe we believe in Linda's, Linda's leadership and her assistant's leadership, and um, I think right now it's, it's, it's just a matter of some growing pains. Um, but get some victories here, get on the right track, and and finish the season strong. That's what we hope for. Does it feel at all uh, similar to football uh, in past years, how football and Coach McIntyre's first and second year were incredibly young squads that uh, had had a struggle against putting results uh, or putting games away and getting results? No, I think I think it's a, it's a different a different animal, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, you know, with football, there's so many you know things that have to go right in the game. And in basketball, you know, if you have two or, you know, one or two or hopefully three key players, your program can change dynamically very quickly. Mm -hmm. So I just think, it's, I think it's a different dynamic of, of, of numbers and, and players that you're dealing with. Mm -hmm. So uh, as far as fan outreach goes, um, one thing that uh, the C unit for men's basketball that uh, they've done very well, the Folsom Frenzy has tried to do, is um, create promotions and events that uh, get more students involved, uh, get more fans involved. Throughout the year, have you guys... Um, tried to create any specific outreach efforts to, to students or um, to season ticket holders to get them more involved for uh, this year? And if you guys have, um, what are some potential things that you might be looking at going into 2016? Well, I know Matt Biggers, Prima Khan of our, you know, of our marketing arm, Matt's our chief marketing officer, they're trying to come up with creative ideas to get students engaged. The Folsom Frenzy group does a great job of engaging our students, getting them out to games. One thing we noticed and, and one thing we talked about as a staff is we kind of snake bit the first half of the basketball season because of some odd game times. You know, when you're playing at 9 o'clock on a Wednesday night and, um, or 11 o'clock at night, there's, there's certain dynamics you can't control. But now as we get into the, you know, the meat of the Pac-12 season, um, I think you'll see students come back out. I think tonight you're going to see an a, a, a energetic, crazy crowd of students and then Sunday as well. But sometimes, you know, when you're going against the Broncos in the playoffs, you can't control those things. But as I said, I think you know, now that we're getting into the meat of our schedule, um, starting tonight versus Stanford and then Sunday versus Cal, you'll see, uh, uh, you know, our season ticket holders come out uh, in full force and our students support us. So speaking on the Broncos, Tyler Columbus, CU alum, is, yes. is going to the Super Bowl. And if the Broncos do win, he will be the 50th Colorado football player to have won a ring in Super Bowl 50, no less. How important is that for the CU football program to be able to capitalize uh, on those types of players and be able to say we are a program that puts players on uh, teams that are successful, but also teams that win championships at that next level? You know, we have a rich, long tradition here of guys in the NFL. And for the past six, seven years, there's kind of been a lull. You know, Brad Jones and Mason Crosby with the, with the Packers, of course, and other guys in the NFL. Um, but I think whenever – a buff represents you the way Tyler's represented us, mm -hmm. whether with the Redskins or now back with the hometown Broncos. It bodes well for our program. Um, with him being, you know, 45 minutes away um, and always accessible, to, you know, to us to to um, you know partner with us on anything we want to do. 
um, it's great to have Tyler back in the family and back home. So it's 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 really positive for us because uh, you know in our new building in the Champion Center where you are now, Andrew, we have what we call Legacy Hall. So mm -hmm. right outside the locker room, our student athletes see um, the impact that we've had on their on student athletes' lives who go on and play in the NFL. Mm -hmm. So Tyler's just another addition to that wall. Do you guys ever explore uh, the possibility of maybe a deeper partnership with the Broncos or trying to capitalize on the success that they've had this year um, by being you know, so close in proximity to them? You know, it's really, it's really two different markets. Mm -hmm. um, so while we have a relationship, you know, the relationship we have with them is really more, um, more interpersonal. You know, Matt Russell is um, John's right-hand man, and so Matt comes up all the time. He's a buff. Um, Tyler Columbus being there. They just signed Nick Costa to the mm -hmm. practice squad. So... You know, and in um, and, and Rick George is familiar with John Elway and Peyton Manning, of course. So, um, not so much um, you know uh, business to business, but mm -hmm. more peer to peer. Mm -hmm. um, so that's really what we focus on because, it's, like I said, it's two different dynamics of of, of uh, alums uh, who come to the university and then diehard Bronco fans who go to Bronco games. It's kind of a different 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 market. So, as far as the Champion Center goes, um, I mean. The more people come here, the more they love it. And see you faithful that have been in here have walked away with glowing reviews. Yep. Have you guys seen a, a definite uptick in recruiting based off of the new facilities that have been built here? Yeah, definitely. You know what? What this facility shows, Andrew, is uh, it shows the university is committed to athletics and and not just athletics as a whole, but our football team. And when you have a law in your program like we have for the last you know ten years or so, it's very important that you show student athletes as they come in here that they're committed to football. And you can go in any facility in the country. And Darren Shiverini has spoken about this, and I've got some friends who are NFL scouts. We're right there at the top. You know, some some other people, for example, you know, Oregon has Brazilian hardwood and Ferrari leather. And my joke to recruits is they have to have Brazilian hardwood for our leather because they get 65 days of sun a year. <laughs> so their kids are staying inside. They need something fancy to showcase their stuff. Well, we, you know, we're Colorado. We get 300 days of sun a year. Mm -hmm. And everything we've done here is not ostentatious when you walk around this facility. It has a Colorado feel to it. And um, there's a purpose to everything we did in this building. So for the facilities, is this kind of going to be it for a couple of years um, while you guys explore the possibility of, of new projects? Or is there anything immediate, not necessarily for football, but for athletics as a whole on the horizon? No, I think, you know, when you build a $156 million pro <laughs> project that, um, you know, we're focused on the here and now, right now, but we also understand have, and have an eye for the future that our next project is what do we do with Balch Fieldhouse? Mm -hmm. um, it's great, great bones, great structure, good architecture, but what do we do with that fieldhouse? Um, and, you know, Rick and I and our, our, some people from our facilities management team, Jason DePape and others, are putting our heads together and, and wrapping arms around different ideas and, and looking at those for the future. Would there ever be any consideration into, into making that a more commercial venue as opposed to a training facility? You know, that's one of the things we're talking about is, is what direction do we go? And, and, and in those discussions, of course, with all due respect to campus, bringing them in the discussion as well because it's when you look at, the, when you look at Balch it's, it, and you walk in from the, north side, from the south side, it's how do you bridge academics into athletics and bring those people into this world? Um, so we're looking at different options. Mm -hmm. Great. Yeah. And I guess my, my final question is um, how happy has athletics been with the way uh, everything has gone from fan outreach to uh, donor support to uh, how the athletic teams have played? Everyone loves to, to say Colorado athletics in general is kind of on the upswing. Mm -hmm. Is it how, how much of an upswing is that? Well, it starts with leadership. And when you have a leader that's a dynamic as Rick George and his message every day is the same, we want to we want to make this a world-class holistic experience for our student-athletes and compete for and win championships, that's a direction to the whole department, whether it's marketing, whether it's facilities management, whether it's business development. We all are striving to make this a better department. And at the end of the day, we want our alums and our fans, when they come and experience Colorado Athletics, to feel that um, – they're seeing something special in a special place because we live in a special place. And, uh, you know, when you think about the future of Colorado athletics, the athletic department, and the university as a whole, it is on the upswing. And I think a lot of it has to do with us. Um, it has to do with our leadership and us being in um, a thriving, dynamic conference like the Pac-12. You got a Super Bowl prediction? You can go with the hometown? <laughs> no, I'm going with the Panthers. But... <laughs> I, I, I just don't know if they can protect Peyton and if he can get the ball down the field. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And 
while the Broncos have a dynamic pass rush, Cam's not sitting still. Yeah, he's he really is and pretty impressive. He's, a, he's, a, he's an amazing quarterback, and um, and their offense is 50-50, so you don't know what to expect. Mm -hmm. So, well, great, fantastic. Thank you so much. I. So that was Associate Athletic Director Lance Carl talking uh, to Radio 1190 this past week. A lot of really interesting things. Um, the biggest of which, at least in my mind, is that people at the athletic department level are not happy with what is going on uh, within the Pac-12 networks. That idea of you put live events on regional or you put them on network that you can't get on regional and and that's been an issue of a lot of people so chap you're raising your hand here what do you got we're watching the colorado women's game right now and it's not even on pac-12 network it's on the colorado live stream and they're, they're showing because i went to pac-12 network initially to turn on the women's game uh they're showing a replay of the utah usc game from last night they don't even have anything on it, it's I mean, and this is Colorado women's, but that was one of the complaints is that mm -hmm. they that Rick George couldn't watch the women's game up in Seattle when he was there past weekend. And this is this is a problem not only from a, a CU standpoint, but across the Pac-12, I'd assume. But I've talked to a few people within the athletic department, and this isn't the first time I've heard they've had either problems with scheduling or how to find a game or, or you know, where to tune in and all that stuff. And if the athletic department's having these problems, fans are going to have a way bigger problem finding the game. So it's interesting how much they know um, and how they're trying to fix it, but there's their hands are a little bit tied. Yeah, and that and that women's game right now that's going on. UCLA leads Colorado 42 to 28 with 2:18 left in the second period. Colorado is four of their last five, unfortunately, 17 turnovers in the first half for that Buffalo's team. So a couple other notes uh, when you look at Colorado and really the Pac-12 in general. I, I guess you could argue the SEC. 527 plus million dollars in the last fiscal year. We're not going to find out what the Pac-12 is going to make. They have this weird thing where they release uh, their earning statements a year after the fact. So, Ryan Schapp, do you guys think that there is any possibility that the Pac-12 is going to catch the SEC in the next year or two as long as they have the Pac-12 networks, which has been hemorrhaging money? No, you're not gonna you're not gonna catch the SEC ever because the passion is just so different mm -hmm. in SEC country. Uh, I mean, just the Broncos and the Buffs are a perfect example. The Broncos are so much more popular than the Buffs in Colorado. It's not even close. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not even close. Right. Like, uh, just writing on the Broncos and and kind of dabbling in Broncos Twitter a little bit. I mean, there are hundreds of thousands of Broncos fans on Twitter, whereas I'd say our like tight knit little circle of Buff fans on Twitter is like Twitter. <laughs> pretty close to like a hundred people. Like I, you can have a lot more followers than that, but the people that actually interact on Buff's Twitter, it's like about a hundred people. Yeah. Um, so it is just so different than that in the South. I mean, in the South, uh, Alabama football is bigger in the South than Denver Broncos football is here in in Colorado, and so that alone makes it impossible to ever catch the SEC. So we've got, just in this market alone, we've got all four professional sports. We have two major college programs in the Colorado Buffaloes and the DU Hockey five professional sports, too, um, if you include Major League Soccer. Right, and uh, I just, yeah, that's not happening. Uh, but <laughs> we have everything there is to offer sports-wise. So yep. does every other city in the Pac-12 now that the NFL is in Los Angeles. Every single city in Los in the Pac-12, besides Seattle with basketball, I do believe. And Spokane, Washington. Pullman, well, rather. Yeah, has. And, uh, I mean, Oregon even has major sports, and that's not even a major market. Mm -hmm. Every single uh, city has major professional teams. Yeah. Denver has four. If you look at Alabama alone as the example, you have Alabama football. You have the Southern Professional Hockey League, which is Tier 3 minor league hockey. You have uh Double A and single A baseball, and that's it. Yeah, Alabama has no competition in the state of Alabama, besides Auburn. Right. I think here's here's the thing. I think that there's you could argue that there is kind of a different aspect at work here too. 
the the different college networks, the Big Ten is a 51-49 split with Fox Sports. You have the SEC network, which a lot of their production costs are covered by ESPN because for all intents and purposes, they're an affiliate of ESPN. But the Pac-12 networks in the pursuit of having their own content and sort of getting ahead of what is going on in the media landscape right now created seven different networks, including their flagship and six regionals that all encompass really everything going on but they're paying the brunt of every single production cost it's a hundred percent ownership by the conference so ryan a few years into this you know before we before we switch out is there anything do you think that this pac-12 network experiment is going right so far <clears throat> no but in it's i don't even think it's the experience it's not the network that's not going right it's how they're operating it that's mm -hmm. not going right and it's wild um that they're having such a hard time figuring this out like, it shouldn't be hard to know that you should be playing events live on your national network. Um, that, that should not be, that, that can't be difficult at all to figure out. Um, it shouldn't have taken this long to get DirecTV on board. I mean, you got to come to an agreement at some point, whether you're kind of feeling like you're taking the, the L side of it or not. You have <laughs> to uh, be, you have to be getting that distribution. And so, I think the Pac-12 network um, itself is is decent. I just think the way they're executing it is awful. Yeah, and there's there's definitely a ways to go there. 755 here on Radio 1190, KVCU Boulder. For those of you looking for a women's basketball score, UCLA ended the last three minutes of the first half on an 8-0 to run, leading Colorado 47-28 going into the break. Colorado, Did they get to 20 turnovers yet? Uh, 18. Okay. <laughs> it's like the Washington game for the men except worse actually uh, yeah. i just in watching this like like 10 there was 10 just lazy passes across the zone defense yeah. that ended in turnover it's unfortunate yeah yeah and uh, going back i want one more point in the pac-12 network yep, real quick at some point it will pay off that they own all their own content i, I think it will too i think it's just going to take a little bit of like time like macklemore bro it's not selling out. Yeah. Savage. Yeah, Savage by Macklemore. <laughs> oh, stop it. What's his last song? White something? I don't what? know. White Privilege, too, is White what you're referring to. Privilege, I think. The uh, the last point I wanted to make, we, we didn't get Savage. to the Matt Biggers interview um, uh, about fan experience at Coors, but you can find that on the Radio 1190 SoundCloud. SoundCloud.com slash radio dash space 1191190. We'll have the show from tonight there as well as the Biggers interview. But it's 7.57, and on a more serious note, um, I just wanted to mention uh, something that, you know, is, is uh, happening uh, with a few friends of mine. Uh, my, my best friend, my old roommate, Tyler Sachs, he's going through a, a bit of a rough time right now, a f really close friend of his. Uh, and a friend of mine, Ian Stamp, is uh, is not doing very well in the hospital right now. And uh, for those of you that are listening, I, I would really hope that um, you offer your thoughts and prayers for Ian. He is uh, a really fantastic kid, um, somebody that I only met a couple years ago in my sophomore year in college and really was one of the nicest, uh, most genuine people that I really have met uh, in this world. And he is uh, one of those kids, you know, that he can he can really light up a room. Um, probably the best memory I'm, I'm going to have is uh, we were out one night and he <laughs> we were uh, we were joking around playing a little bit of music. Uh, our friend Miguel playing guitar because he's great. And and Ian, you know, always always lighting up uh, the room as he does, you know, just got in and and started freestyle singing, which is something that you really don't see very often. And um, and he and he absolutely blew us all away. And and so, uh, Ian, we're we're all thinking of you from 1190 to CU to Tyler. Robbie, Manning, Logan, Miguel, Mike, everyone, uh, Mallory too, uh, everybody listening. Um, so we we wanted to offer uh, our thoughts and prayers to you and uh, through this rough time to Ian's family, the Stamp family. Uh, we're thinking of you guys right now. Um, so I wanted to play something um, that would uh, that would certainly honor Ian on this Friday night. And uh, we don't want to we don't want to put a damper on on your guys's Friday night that are listening, but. You know, if anything, uh, it's a reminder that, you know, life life sometimes is short and life sometimes uh, deals you an interesting hand. And so with the time that you have here, 
uh, really enjoy it with the people that you have, you know, and enjoy the sports you love, enjoy the news you love, enjoy Colorado, enjoy, you know, everything, everything that's around here. And um, uh, this this next song we got before we go out uh, is for you, Ian. This has been uh, Friday Night Live, excuse me, on Radio 1190 KVCU Boulder. Uh, the women's basketball game is still going on. If you want to head over to the Coors Event Center, watch it on the Pac-12 Networks. Uh, this last one is for Ian. Blackbird singing in the dead of night Take these broken wings and learn to fly Waiting for this moment to arrive 